As we continue our look at progressive Christianity, it's important to remember that not everything they say or believe is bad. And we'll begin by going over some of the good things. Here's Pastor David. Before we go further, I want to point out some good things that progressive Christians believe, because it's important. I'm not here to sit here and dog on people. Okay, I want you to understand a few things that are good. There is some level to which progressive Christianity is a reaction. Remember, we talked about pendulum swings. A reaction to Christians who are unkind and unloving toward others. There are some who call themselves Christians who are extremely harsh, judgmental, and unloving toward those who they disagree with or those who they don't like, or those who don't fit into their idea of how things should be. There are some Christians who seem to value some commands of Jesus for righteousness, but not value other ones. Generally, you would call those hypocrites, right? Some Christians spend a lot of time focusing on people's sexual sins and very little time caring for the needy. There are some Christians who use the Bible to defend their behavior or their ideas that are unjust, racist, sexist, classist, and a whole lot of other ists. And that's been going on for many, many, many years. So progressive Christians often say they care about kindness and equality, equity, service, justice. I think they really do care from what I can tell. Now, whether they solve those issues or have ideas for solving those issues in the way that they should be solved isn't what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the fact that many Christians seem to have swung the pendulum way too far the other way on these issues. Now, progressive or liberal Christians often talk about something called the social gospel. To give them the benefit of the doubt, I will assume that what they're talking about are the effects that that gospel should have on our social lives, on the way we live socially, okay? If that is what they mean, they're right about that. The gospel should make us more loving, more kind, more just, more equitable. It should. We should care for the poor, the orphan, the widow, We should hate sin in the form of oppression against anyone. All of those things should be the things that we're fighting for as believers, as conservative, Bible-believing Christians. Again, conservative is not a political term. It has to do with the fact that you believe that the Bible is true. We should stand for those who can't stand for themselves. We should care for the heartbroken, the hurting, the prisoner, the immigrant, and the homeless. All of these things flow from Jesus' commands to us. Absolutely, they do. The progressive Christians aren't wrong about that. Listen to this. You want to hear some really sobering stuff from Jesus himself on this. Matthew 25, 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will say to the sheep on his right hand, He will set up the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I want to hear that. This is what he says. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? Or when did we see you a stranger? and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Wasn't prepared for us. 
Prepare for the devil and his angels. It's just the only place you can be if you reject Christ. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger. You did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. That's sobering. This is a serious and dire warning. Jesus commanded us to love people and to serve people. Progressive Christians take this part very seriously, and they should. I commend them for it. But please listen. Well, every one of us should do these things, all of these things. The gospel is much more than just this. This is an implication of the gospel, but it's much more than just this. To reduce the gospel to just those things is to ignore so much of the scriptures and the riches and the life that is in the scriptures and so many other commands of Jesus besides these ones. For instance, if this passage is true, then this one is also. Revelation 21, 5 through 8. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Then he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give at the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But, but, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Here's the thing. If God said we're to feed the hungry and take care of the stranger or we go to hell, he also said we must be believing, like believe in the scriptures, and to be sexually moral, another issue that progressive Christians are way off on. Or else we go to hell. And truth tellers, or else we'll go to hell. In both cases, our only hope is Jesus Christ, people. It's my only hope. I'm all of this stuff. I'm a disaster. Both of these scriptures, I've, I've, I'm, a, I'm a mess. But Jesus Christ has saved me. That's our only hope. That's our only hope. Jesus Christ, his death and rising from the grave, and the free gift of grace he offers us. We are undone by these passages. If you're being honest with yourself... We are people who have not kept the scriptures. Ever told a lie? Doesn't look good. But by the grace of Jesus Christ, we're saved. By the grace of Jesus Christ, we can be with him. We can be with those who he says, yeah, you're with me. And not with those who he says, I don't know you. By his grace. If the gospel should have an effect on the way we see justice, it should also have an effect on the way we see sexual morality. Because it says both. If the scripture is true in one place, it is true in every other place. As Jesus says in John 10, 35, the scripture cannot be broken. You can't break it. It only makes sense that we should love and serve and work for justice and equality. And it only makes sense that we should also believe the scripture, trust in Jesus Christ as Lord, and believe that God raised him from the dead. Those are all there in the scripture. You can't look at one and say we should do this and not look at the other and say we should do that. It doesn't work like that. If we should feed the poor, then we should honor marriage between one man and one woman for life. They're both there. 
If we should be kind, we should also be pure. We can't pick and choose which ones we think are good and which ones we don't. They can't, we can't, no one can. That's why people didn't like Jesus. He was like, oh, you think you're good because you do this, but bam, bam, bam. And they go, mm, let's kill this guy. That's what happened. We don't want to be those people where he goes, yeah, you guys did this well. You guys do this well. You're really good about this thing and this thing. But man, what about this over here? What about this person who's poor or hungry or a stranger or naked in pain in prison and you walked by? We got to be careful. But rejecting the scriptures means that progressive Christians are rejecting the very thing that gives life to all the things that progressive Christians says are important like equality, like justice. Where do you think you find those things outside of scripture? You don't. They're not there. There's no basis for them without God. Can't pick and choose. You ever seen, you've just been walking in the park and you see tree branches just floating in the air. There's no trunk or roots are just floating there. No, you have not seen that. <laughs> if you have, you probably should see a doctor. It's not how trees work. The branches aren't there without the trunk and the roots, right? Has to be there. Deconstructing the root and the trunk leaves you with branches hanging in the air. I think that we should be kind. I think that we should do justice and equality. That is a branch, an emanation from the gospel and from Jesus and from the scriptures. If you take away the scriptures and their authority and who Jesus is as God and the resurrection and all the rest of that, all the branches go, there's not any left. You have nothing. You don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead? You don't believe in the Bible? You don't believe he's the Christ? You don't believe he's God? Why would you call yourself a Christian? That's what they believe. You get rid of the root, you get rid of the fruit. You can't do it. Rejecting the scriptures is rejecting Jesus. It's rejecting the root and it's rejecting Jesus because he told us the scriptures are all about him. Listen, John 5, 39. You search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they, the scriptures, which testify of me. The scriptures testify of Jesus. You cannot reject the authority and the truth of the scriptures and have anything left of Jesus. You can't do it. You don't believe in it. You are not, in any meaningful sense, a Christian. The truth is that those who believe the scriptures and practice them actually do live lives that are more charitable, charitable more full, and more loving. How do I know this? Science. <laughs> There's an article by Caleb Morell about a study done some time ago, and, and it was written about by a guy named W. Bradford Wilcox. And you know... I like it when people use that first initial instead of a name. It just makes them seem really smart. Anyway, the study found some interesting things about what this study refers to as conservative Protestant men. Now, for shorthand, I'm going to tell you what that means. Conservative Protestant men are men who believe that the Bible is true. Okay, what, what we would normally call a Christian. Most of the men in this room would fall in that category for this survey of conservative Protestant men. It's not a political thing. It has to do with a conservative view that the scriptures are actually true, as opposed to a liberal view that the scriptures are metaphorical. Okay? Make sense? That's what they're talking about. All right. This is what it says. By every metric, by every metric, church-going, that's important, 
conservative Protestant men outdo every other segment in the American population in the very areas that their critics most suspect them of wrongdoing. Wilcox found that church-going conservative Protestant men spend more time with their children. They are more likely to hug and praise their children. Their wives report higher levels of satisfaction with the appreciation, affection, and understanding. Um, And they spend more time socializing with their wives. Again, these family men are consistently the most active and emotionally engaged group of fathers and the most emotionally engaged group of husbands in this study. Indeed, the irony that Wilcox observes again and again is that conservative Protestants with antiquarian views on gender and the family come closest to approximating the new ideal man of liberalism. They're much closer to the person that the liberals say a man should be. Gentle, emotionally attentive, nurturing, appreciative, and kind. In Wilcox's words, these men take an approach to family life that comes surprisingly close to the new man ideal of active and emotionally expressive familial involvement celebrated in the society at large. He continues, compared to their unaffiliated and mainline counterparts, conservative Protestants, married men with children are consistently the most active and expressive fathers and the most emotionally engaged husbands. Most importantly, in regards to domestic violence, Wilcox drops this bombshell. We have also seen that contrary to the predictions of their critics, church-going conservative Protestant men register the lowest rates of domestic violence in any group in this study. Indeed, church-going conservative Protestant family men have the lowest rates of domestic violence of any major religious group in the United States. Yeah, good job, conservative Protestant men. You know who they found out did the worst with these issues? It wasn't atheists. It wasn't progressive Christians. It wasn't some other religion. You know who it was? It was conservative Protestant men who do not regularly attend church. The very best group, conservative Protestant men who attend church regularly. The very worst group in the country, conservative Protestant men who do not attend church. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Now, what's the difference between church-going conservative Protestant men and non-church-going conservative Protestant men? Church-going Protestant men actually believe the scriptures and live them out. Because the scriptures tell us to be in the body. Okay? So if we believe them, we're going to be in the body. Or online, for some of you who cannot be here, I understand. Unless you're online just because you didn't want to come today, in which case, come on, get back to church. We want to see you. We need you. We love you. Um, This isn't to say that there aren't many church-going, Protestant, conservative men who are terrible to their families. It doesn't say that no one ever has done it. It's just that if you're a woman or a child, and you have to just roll the dice of what group in America you're going to live in the home of, a conservative Protestant man who goes to to church regularly is by far your best and safest bet. Safest emotionally, safest physically, safest for your children. Statistically, those are the facts. How about that? Because we're, us conservative Protestant men, are not the monsters that people suggest because we're the ones who believe the scriptures and the scriptures are the ones who actually give us the real form of the ideal man, Jesus Christ. And that's who we want to be like. The gospel does have implications and those who are serious about the scriptures live those implications out. If you want to deal with hypocrisy in the church, then let's deal with it. We do not need to throw out the scriptures to do so. It's the scriptures that help us to weed out hypocrisy. If you have questions that are difficult, ask them. 
You do not need to throw out the scriptures because someone that you ran into either was unwilling or unable to answer your questions. Bring it. The scriptures teach us about life and the adventure of following our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The scriptures speak to us of grace that we all need because we are all sinners. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We all deserve death. We all deserve judgment. But Jesus gave his life for us and rose again the third day. Lord willing, in our next session, we will study the right way to study the scriptures and correct some of these errors that the deconstructionists have caused. But for now, please know that rejecting the root leaves you without any fruit. It leaves you with nothing. Without the scriptures and the truth in them, we have no hope. Let me reiterate that. We have no hope without the scriptures and their authority in them being true. Do not be quick to deconstruct or reject them. If you see people going down that road, head them off before their pendulum swings all the way out into some sort of atheistic nonsense or some sort of atheistic Christianity, which is even worse. Life and hope are spoken of in the scriptures. We must believe in the scriptures. We must defend them. Listen, if you don't know Jesus today, you're sitting here, you saw these people baptized today. You're wondering, what is this all about? Let me just tell you. This is about the most important thing that you will ever do in eternity. This is about you recognizing that you and God have an issue right now. But you have not lived, as you well know, if you're honest with yourself, the way that you ought to have. And God cannot be with those who reject him. If that's you today, you've been rejecting God. I'll wait. I'll do it later. Maybe I don't believe it. Whatever it happens to be, listen, it's true. It's all true. Who he said he is, what he said he's going to do, who you are, made in his image and likeness, that you can be saved, that he paid for and atoned for your sins. It's all true. If you don't know him, today's the day. But Jesus is very clear that there is a hell and those who reject him will go there. The only way out of there is through his grace. It's not through your work. You can't do enough. You're like, okay, let me get my stuff together. I'll come next week and then Jesus will be ready for me. No, there's nothing you can do to do enough for Jesus to be ready for you. The only thing that makes Jesus ready for you is you being ready for him and asking for forgiveness and understanding that at the cross, he died for you and that there's grace and that there's forgiveness and that you can have eternal life in him. That's it. Cannot get there by what you do. Only can get there by what he's done. Understand that. If that's you this morning online, type something in there. Just say, I want to be saved. Or can I talk to a pastor or an elder? And we'll get in touch with you. So is that you? Do you want to get right with God in line with the truth of the scriptures that Pastor David has been talking about? If so, or we can help you grow in Christ in any way, call us at 360 360- 885-9000. We don't want your money or anything else. We just want you to be saved. 360-885-9000. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll check out our next episode for more important teaching about the Bible here on Contemplate.